You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know, again, I, I think it's one of those things where we kind of got in that mindset because we were struggling to score so much. I mean, we were we were missing layups and missing open jump shots. And, you know, I, I told the team just now, this is the most – this this loss is the most is the most we can build off of any of the other ones because we really defended a team that's a really good offensive team. And we just didn't do it for long. We did it for those two stretches killed us. Um, but I feel really good about – the way that we guarded, and I feel like now that we've we have a a way that we can point to, or a game that we can point to, and say we stayed in it against a good team just because of one end of the floor. I thought the play was was a great play that we that he drew up, but um, we didn't execute it. You know, our timing was off, and uh, they just blew up the entire play. And Jeff, Jeff had a you know, hoist up a, a long three, so our timing and execution was off in that particular play. Celtics blow it. They fall late 94 to 88 to the Blazers. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. I'm Jared Weiss. Joining me tonight from Sports Exchange is Kevin Coolbaugh. Welcome back to the show. Been a while since we had you on. Yes, it's always good to be back here, though. It's like a second home. Well, this is going to be the second home for you guys for the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to talk about what happened in, during the game and then what happened after the game in the second part, which is pretty fascinating. So definitely stick around for that. So let's start with the kind of the end of the game there. Celtics don't take a non-three-pointer within the last three minutes of the game. Their, their half-court offense just got destroyed in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's been one of the things with Brad Stevens that as much as I like him, as much as I like his game plan, what he's done, the Celtics can be a little too three-point reliant. He acknowledged as much after the game there. They were going for that home run, um, as you said, and, and you just can't do that, especially against a team like Portland, one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. And Jared Solinger went three for nine from deep. Avery Bradley, one for eight, didn't even hit that one until the end of the game, which my eardrums exploded by the, by the, when he hit that shot because, I mean, this place turned into a playoff atmosphere and then almost immediately got cut down where they missed a couple shots, Blazers scored on the other end. It's amazing how quickly the Blazers were able to shut down that quick little comeback that the Celtics had. Yeah, and that's a sign of a, a veteran and talented team here that's definitely going to be in the playoffs. Oh, and will be a contender here in the Western Conference. And going back to your point about about the Garden and, you know, place blowing up with Avery Bradley's shot, that's the one thing I've loved throughout this 
whole rebuilding process. Of course, in the Big Three era, we had everyone, everyone cheering. This place was loud, but this place has still been pretty loud since. Celtics fans don't go away. Yeah, I mean, Celtics games can get exciting with the crowd can really get into it if there's some big stuff happening late in the game, especially three-point shots. Jeff Green's provided some highlight real plays. They've been running the break well offensively. And the thing is, defensively, the break has been a disaster for them. They've been really poor in transition. Stevens even said before the game that it was a major, major problem for them. And then it was 15-4 fast break advantage for the Celtics tonight. So clearly, they made some significant improvements there. Yeah, and that's been the one thing with this team now. And Rajon and Rondo, the Celtics have been able to finally get a little fast break action going. And granted, they don't have all the pieces and, and, and the players together. So it is a work in progress. But tonight, I thought it was pretty encouraging. And there were a few that could have gone for more. I believe it was Rondo's pass that was deflected out going to Avery Bradley on the bounce there. That, that would have been pretty. But the Celtics are... Looking a lot better there, and I, I think that's encouraging because that's what you need to compete and win in this in uh, the NBA today. You know, the funny thing is Evan Turner got a lot of chance to run the break, and there were significantly mixed results there. It seems like his court awareness in front of him is a little bit struggling. It seems like he can get a he can get like a bailout pass, but trying to make that pocket pass, uh, make that lead pass to a guy on the break, he's he's missing it almost every single time, and they're losing a lot of. I mean, they had a big fast break point advantage, but they still could have had a lot more tonight if Turner was able to execute on those plays. Yeah, Evan Turner, as I said before, he kind of makes Jordan Crawford look consistent when he was when he was here for a while. But yeah, obviously Turner's such a hit or miss player. Uh, he kind of reminds me of the Will Middlebrooks of this Celtics team in that Middlebrooks is a guy with all this potential. You see, you know, great hitter. Uh, he, he can hit home runs, but it's just not there most of the time. And, and it's just so hit or miss with Evan Turner. And he's in a good place right now coming off the bench. I mean, that, that stint where, uh, where, you know, Rondo was working his way back. He's not a... He's not a starting point guard in this league, that's for sure. He, he can technically play the point, as we saw, but you know, he, he's best suited coming off the bench. But even that, you don't know what you're going to get most of the time. Well, he's a decent point forward. He's a guy that has ball skills. He has passing skills. He's a good scorer. Uh, but you know, consistency is a major issue. I liken him probably more to like uh, J.D. Drew. Where J.D. Drew was this guy that, I mean, I, I think the injury analogy wouldn't work there, but as far mm -hmm. as this guy that would get these real hot streaks and otherwise it would be kind of like puzzlingly, puzzlingly ineffective and you, wasn't really, you weren't really sure why he was so ineffective. And you look at Turner and you just see that there's some nights where he's really on, he's getting the shot he wants, he's hitting his shots, he's making the plays. And then some nights it's like he doesn't even, he's not 100% sure which play he should be making. It's not really clicking for him. He's not really getting, the look's there, he's just, he's not seeing it. You're seeing it as a spectator, but he's not seeing it. And you wonder, why is it that he has the mental game some nights, but it just doesn't show up the other nights? Yeah, well... I guess J.D. Drew is better than Steven Drew in that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, well, we're going to wrap this part up. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Jeff Green opened up his post-game press conference with. So be, we'll be right back. Stick around. Garden Report, CLNS Radio, and Celtics Blog. I just think that that, that was, uh, you know, with the two uh, the past two days, you know, it's just Brad being on us more. Uh, we had to do certain things, uh, certain executions. There you go. And uh, especially defensively, and it was tremendous how he, how he helped us out. So, I mean, that's, that's you got to give two heads up to Brad on that one. I don't even think we need to watch film. It all comes from effort and, you know, wanting to play defense. You know, we wanted to go out there and prove that 
we are a good defensive team. If, if we all give, you know, 100% on the defensive end, and that's what we did. Everyone was trying hard tonight. So we don't need to watch film. We know what we need to do. I don't think, um, I want to say just a, against a good team, against anybody. Every single game, we need a win. We need something to get us going. Um, we need a streak. I think the I think we longest streak we had so far was two games. So we need to get it going. Uh, before you start, I just want to clear the air about some BS rumor that came out. I don't know if the person who made this article is in this circle, but uh, the rumor about me wanting to get traded is definitely false. I said that I was frustrated with losing, not frustrated with the team. So if the words didn't come from my mouth, I appreciate it if you're not right, a dumbass article like that. I want to stay here. I love the team. I love you know the surroundings, the environment, the fans. You know, I love being here. You, I'm assuming you want to be part of turning this thing back around and being one of those guys that help turn this thing around. But then I want to sign the contract to come back in. So, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. Happy with the coach, uh, the management, front office, everybody. You know, I haven't been happy like this in years. So, you know, it's a good place for me. We're back. We just heard from Jeff Green. It's a pretty fascinating post-game press conference. Uh, calling a, Talking about a dumbass article that uh, after kind of talking to him a little bit after a couple of reporters we were talking to him, kind of made him understand that it was actually a CBS Sports blog post, it was a national blog, that kind of slightly mischaracterized what he said. It didn't even necessarily say that he was asking for a trade, and he said that someone had texted him or tweeted him that he was requesting a trade. So it was a very interesting misunderstanding by Jeff Green after the game. It shows that you probably want to make sure you do all your homework before coming out and making a public statement. Well, it's not like this is totally new with Green or a team like this. This is a team we saw it last year. They didn't really make any moves during the season, uh, major moves anyway. But this is a team that's going to be involved in rumors. The Celtics don't have the core ready that they're going to use to fight for a championship. And they have to use trades and whatever means to get it in place. And Jeff Green's obviously been mentioned in trades over the past couple of years. And He's someone, you know, I don't have any inside sources, but, you know, from what you've read, that Danny Ainge would like to unload, even though he says, you know, he doesn't want to. And Green is a good guy, probably best suited off the bench, but he's certainly, you know, certainly a good scorer. And, and that's, that's how you're going to react to things like that. I mean, you can't come out and say, yes, I want to be traded, because that just that, that throws a dart right, right into the middle of it. He probably doesn't want to actually be traded. He'd probably be happier in a playoff contending situation one where he doesn't have to have the pressure of being one of the go-to scores. It, I think he'd be great if he was still in Oklahoma City. Yeah. That would be ideal oh, for him absolutely. if he was still Especially there. Especially with Harden out there exactly. anyway. Um, but what was funny about this is that it spawned a bunch of other reports afterwards, one of which was uh, a report saying that Jeff Green's value in the free agent market, according to other GMs, is apparently higher than Rajon Rondo's. And now that ar that article was sourcing actual GM saying that, or at least executives. So that had a lot more legit. That actually had legitimacy to it. And it's a funny discussion because if you think about it, while Rondo is probably a better player, I think it's pretty. I don't think anyone would really disagree with that. He's probably a significantly better player. His value to another team is, might actually be lower to Jeff Green because if a team wants to add Jeff Green for let's say ten million dollars, I mean he's making nine and a half, ten million dollars right now, and he's. He's been playing maybe a little bit below what he was expected of, but what do you you look at kind of the increase in the cap? Ten million dollars isn't really that much money anymore. It's, what, it's less than what Alec Burks just got. And as nice as uh, nice of a prospect as Alec Burks is, Jeff Green's definitely a better player at this point. 
Now, Jeff Green to a contending team who can afford that, it's a lot more valuable to them than getting Rondo, who they kind of have to kind of rework how their system is built. Mm -hmm. They might be able to plug in Jeff Green right there, a team like Houston, for instance, although now that they have Trevor Ariza, they don't need him, but that was kind of a possible target for a while was an idea of a, an Ariza for Oshik swap. Uh, but it's funny how this kind of misrumor has catapulted into a legitimate rumor that Green actually might be more valuable in the market. I just want to get your take on that. Yeah, well, you know, you look around the league, and there are a lot of very good starting point guards. Mm -hmm. And when we go through all this Rondo trade rumor stuff, you really you, you break it down, you break down other teams' rosters, there aren't that many possible destinations for him out there. And you come back to a guy like Jeff Green, he, as you said, he is easier to plug in. Uh, as far as a mid-season trade, I probably don't see it happening because it's, you know, especially for a contender, it is hard to make that $9.5 fit unless you have, you know, some expiring deals to work. So it's probably unlikely. But, yeah, I, I can see where that report is coming from. I mean, I agree. Rondo is the better player. I think he's the best pure passing point guard in the NBA. I still say Chris Paul is the best point guard. But, uh, you know, Jeff Green would, would help anybody. I don't think there's, there's an argument with that. Well, I want to talk about Rondo's passing. So Rondo has changed the way that he passes the ball this year. It used to be that he would kind of keep his head down. He'd be kind of driving in circles, waiting for a lane to open up. Now he's kind of driving, then sitting back a little bit, and then trying to whip in passes, usually with his right, sometimes his left hand. And they're a lot less safe passes, but they can be more effective passes. He lets things develop a little bit, too, yeah. So do you think Rondo should be sitting back the way he is, or should he be attacking more like he used to? I think there's a balance in that because, you know, ultimately your job as a point guard is to get, get the ball moving and to distribute and find those scoring chances. I, I think he should lean more towards that like he has been. Uh, the offense has to get moving. You can't be stagnant. You can't have guys just standing around, and, and Brad Stevens has done a good job of trying to get that to happen. Um, there are situations definitely where uh, it calls for Rondo to attack and you know certain matchups will dictate that but I think for a good point guard and a guy like that it's a balance I mean he's not a guy that the ball can't you know as a lot of people would say with Carmelo the ball just kind of dies you know when it gets to him with Rondo the ball can't really die especially with the shot clock going down because you know the the rumor or you know everyone says Rondo's a bad shooter he's not a bad shooter but he's not He's not someone that you want to look to, you know, take a lot of shots in a game. So he's not someone you, you want to just leave out there to, to die as the shot clock goes, and then you have to take a bad shot. Well, the Rondo is a bad shooter. Mantra is probably a little bit outdated at this mm -hmm. point. The last couple of years, he's improved statistically and yeah. form-wise. I mean, he passes the test on both levels. He's not a go-to shooter by any means right. yet, but he can get he can make the shot when it's given to him. And he's even taking that shot in rhythm with the defender on him. So, all right, let's go to boxing out. I want to hear your stat of the night tonight. There's not a lot of good stats on the Celtic side. Yeah, we had to go digging for this. Uh, it's not a good one for the Celtics, but five of 23 from three-point range. The Celtics, we've seen this this year, they can be very over-reliant on that three-point shot. You had the stat, or you mentioned earlier that well, the final whatever minutes, they didn't take a shot from uh, inside the three-point arc. the last you, three minutes. You, Coincidentally, no, only threes in the last three minutes, yeah. Exactly, and you just can't do that. Uh, it's good to have the three, and it, it is good to have everyone capable of shooting the three to spread the floor, create spacing, but it, the Celtics can get way too over-reliant on that three-point shot, and like tonight, it'll often kill them. 
And for me, I'm actually going to have a silver lining here. It's the fast break points, which I mentioned earlier. They actually had a 15 to 4 advantage on the fast break, showing that not only could they get out on the break, but their defense, which was a major, major problem, Gordon Stevens, actually was effective tonight for the first time in a while. So I, I try to find a silver lining every once in a while. I'm generally cynical, but That's no I have to. But I will give my player of the game to Chris Kamen because this guy was really consistent throughout the game. He had eight points in each half. He had eight rebounds. He was shooting the ball well. He only did it, he had 16 points in only 18 minutes, which is great. But they, they, I think initially the Celtics were able to neutralize him, but eventually he was going to work. And he, every single time that, I, I felt like every time that the Blazers lost momentum, he would kind of go to work on the low block and he would get a nice basket. I really, I just, I love the way he played. It was a lot of vintage Kamen tonight. Yeah, He's I mean, a guy. Chris Kamen, like what, the best center in Lakers history, right? Pretty much. Yeah, who forgets? <laughs> I mean, Will, Shaq, forget those guys. Kareem, yeah. So what's, who's your player of the night? I'm going with co-players of the night tonight. Uh, someone, uh, two guys who LaMarcus Aldridge post-game talked very highly about. Nicholas Batum, uh, 12 points, and also uh, Robin Lopez. He had 10 points, seven boards. Batum, uh, uh, when the Celtics got off to a pretty hot start there, Batum scored about eight straight points to really reel Portland back into the game. And Lopez was there getting boards, and he was getting tip backs. And uh, they were two guys that really did a good job of helping keep Portland in the game uh, until they got a lot hotter in the end with Damian Lillard struggling all night for the most part, only scoring 12 points. Uh, they needed that. They needed more than just the usual Aldridge and Lillard domination, and they got that from them. And Aldridge missed a lot of shots, yeah, actually, yeah. in this game, especially yeah, early on in the game. Seven for 21, finished, yeah. yeah. But his back-to-the-basket game is so oh, phenomenal, yeah. and it showed. And eventually... No one could do anything yeah. about it either. You, you, you just look at him on Selinger, on anybody. It's just it's boys against men. Well, the funny thing was in the, earlier in the game, Solinger was trying to man him up, and he would just back Solinger down until Solinger was underneath the rim and just pop up a little hook. Yeah. So Steven subs out Solinger, puts in Bass. Bass is able to actually hold off Aldridge. Aldridge has to take like an eight-foot jump hook, swish, yeah. easy. So and, and when he's adding him. when he's adding this mid-range game too, it's like Blake Griffin. You add that, what do you do? Oh. <laughs> you so don't do anything. That's why Steven said he's one of the best power forwards in the game. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna end it here. I want to thank Gethin, thank myself. I think I did a good job tonight. You did a great job. Thank you for watching. You can follow us on Facebook, or you can follow me on Twitter, follow Gethin on Twitter. Pretty easy. We got the Twitter handles below us here. Like the Garden Report on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes at the podcast version, and leave your comment below. We'll see you next time. We'll be back. We're going to take Friday off to be with our families for Thanksgiving. This will ironically be in Chicago while the Bulls are actually in town, so that'll be fun. And the then, perspective. exactly, we'll be back uh, for San Antonio. That's a one o'clock game a week from Sunday. So we'll see you then. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. We're out of here.